It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Welcome in to Fast Break. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood has the day off. And we are here to talk Bulls basketball and the NBA for the next two hours. Until 3 o'clock, we have White Sox baseball at 3 right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, you know, let's take a look at it this way, right? It's been a week for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I think Thursday night and, and today, there's a big game tonight for the Bulls. 7 o'clock against the Cavs in Cleveland. So we'll get uh, to that game in just a second. And a couple of things to go with tonight's game. The injury report as of right now, the last injury report released by the NBA at uh, 1230 Central Time was that Alex Caruso is probable tonight with a lower back contusion. DeMar DeRozan also probable with the left abductor strain, which is the, the groin strain there for DeRozan. So probable is better than questionable. So probable means uh, hopefully Caruso and DeMar DeRozan will be in the lineup tonight for the Bulls. And DeMar DeRozan was certainly missed on Thursday night. I'm not going to say this for shock value, but I do think it's something I've thought about since Thursday night. I think that might have been the worst loss of the season for the Bulls. And I'll say this. I know that they've been blown out against good teams many times this season where it seems as if they didn't even show, they didn't even compete in the first quarter. And I think you can put those games like against Miami. There's a game against Milwaukee that comes to mind. Some of these games, I I could say even that Kings game a couple weeks ago, I could put them all in the category of worst loss of the season. Now, some Bulls fans may come back at me and say, hey, Black, you do know that DeMar DeRozan, our best player, he was out against the Pels. Yeah, the Pelicans are 31 and 42. Their best player was also out. Brandon Ingram, he didn't play. Their second best player, you know, superstar phenom, Zion Williamson, he hasn't played all season. And the Pelican, and this is why I think that the Pelicans loss was the worst of the season for the Bulls, is because of that stretch. The first five minutes of the fourth quarter, 12-0 run by the Pels. Bulls couldn't do anything. They looked awful. Zach Levine had a good game going into the fourth. He had 32 points heading into the fourth quarter. He finished with 39. Stat-wise, nice night for Zach. He went 11 of 13 from uh, the free throw line, 12 of 23 from the field, 4 of 11 from three. He had three assists. He had five turnovers. The Bulls lose on Thursday night, 126 to 109 to New Orleans. A team fighting to play in the playing game. This Bulls team is supposed to be better than that. And that's why, to me, when looking back on Thursday night, it felt like that's the worst loss of the season. If not, that that five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, that fourth quarter was the worst quarter of the season that the Bulls played. And you you can give me an excuse that it's DeMar DeRozan who wasn't there. But that was that was pathetic. Now, tonight shapes up for a huge game against the Cavs in Cleveland. 
Rocket Board Mortgage Fieldhouse, 7 o'clock. The Cavs are 41-32. and 32. The Bulls are 42-31 and 31 coming into tonight's game. Here's the situation for the Bulls. They're fifth in the East. The three and a half games back of Boston for fourth. I'd say this. At this point, with the amount of games that we have left in the season, I would guess, based on how good Boston's played to this point, that the Celtics are out of reach for Chicago. So fifth at best, is probably what you're looking for for the Bulls. The Bulls are one game up on Cleveland for the sixth spot, and they are one game up on Toronto for the seventh spot. Okay, things have gone really bad as of late. The Bulls have lost 10 of 13. What if they continue to slide? Okay, so the Bulls are four games up on the Nets in the eighth spot. I would guess, because of uh, the limited games left in the season, I would guess the Bulls are good on that. I don't think the Bulls could slide to eight, and I don't think the Nets could catch them. So tonight's matchup is huge. It's a must-win game for the Bulls. you got to keep your lead on the Cavs. Can't let them uh, creep up on you. You don't want to fall to that sixth spot, face off against Milwaukee or the 76ers in the first round of the playoffs. Boston's been playing great bas- basketball, but I would imagine most Bulls fans will look at the Celtics and say, I like my chances against the Celtics in a first-round seven-game series. So that's the scene that we have tonight. Bulls and Cavs in Cleveland. I think it's a must-win. Coming off a pathetic performance against the Pelicans on Thursday night. So Bulls fans, I want to ask you this at 312-332-3776. Now that we've set the table, that's what took place on Thursday night. We see what's ahead of us tonight. They have a game against uh, the Knicks on Monday night on the road in New York. New York had a nice win last night at Miami without their best player, Julius Randle. So for all those who want to give me excuses on why the Bulls can't win without DeRozan or a Caruso or Alonzo, the Knicks went to Miami last night and won a basketball game. The Bulls seem to struggle in these situations. The adversity that has presented itself throughout this NBA season has been too much for this team. So what are you telling me? You're, you're telling me that this Bulls team is only good when everything is perfect, when everything's just right? What kind of life in the NBA is that? You can only win if everything is absolutely perfect for you? How many teams go through a season without injury, without the COVID pauses, without anything? That didn't happen. That doesn't happen. When has that ever happened? That's not what the NBA is. So if you're a Bulls fan, I want to ask you this. Have your expectations changed for this team in the playoffs? We're heading towards the playoff. There's, there's only a few games left, nine games left. They're on a five-game uh, road trip right now. Then they, they come home for uh, five games, and then they finish with Minnesota. So right now, have your expectations, expectations changed for this team in the playoffs? Let me, let me give you my opinion first. Coming into the season, in the summer, I was on the air, blocking Abdallah weeknights at 6, saying this. This team has enough talent to be a team in the first round of the playoffs hosting a round. That's what I said, and I stand by that. I feel as if my assessment of this team was correct. They are good enough to host a first-round series. That would be a top-four seed in the, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, I, I saw last year, I thought that the, the Hawks were a bit of a fluke. I thought that the Knicks would take a step back. 
And I thought that were, there was opportunity there for a team like the Bulls to step into that fourth spot. Here in the second half of the season, it's been the Celtics who have, who have really played great basketball and, and to the point where I don't think anyone expected the Celtics to get to where they are right now, especially for the fact that it seemed like those guys didn't like each other. Oh, but how about this? Winning cures all, right? Because all of a sudden now, because the team is winning, now they're, they're a connected group. They play great defense, best defense in the league for the second half of the season, and they're really rolling. The Celtics are very impressive, and uh, Jason Tatum is an absolute budding superstar. He's really turned it on since the All-Star break, too. Okay, so the Celtics are fourth and the Bulls are fifth. I'm not going to say that I was completely wrong based on the assessment that they could get four if they're five. I will say this, though. Going into the season, I felt as if this team should and could get to the second round of the playoffs. I feel as if that's where they then tap out. The talent that you will see when you get to the second round is a matchup with Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Miami, perhaps, and then Brooklyn. And in those matchups, I just don't think the Bulls have enough talent to go head-to-head with those other teams. So coming into the season, that's what my expectations were, and that's what I said. I said it on Black and Abdallah. I said it multiple times, and throughout the season, I've kept steady to that. In December and in early parts of the season when the Bulls were flying high, I still held it true to the, I think the second round is as far as they're going to go. I didn't think conference finals, NBA finals, championship. So now when I take into account how I felt then and the play that I've seen now, I think it's completely okay that we should hold this team accountable for the lackluster effort that we've seen for the last month. I don't think it's okay to be a Bulls fan and to say, I'm just okay getting to the playoffs. What are we doing here? We Oklahoma City? I mean, what, what is this? We're Charlotte? This is Chicago. Isn't the whole point of this to win championships? I don't know. When I grew up watching the Bulls, obviously they had the best player ever in Michael Jordan. But the idea was you're chasing championships. This is a championship franchise, a championship city. We deserve more. So... Quite frankly, if this team only gets to the first round and loses, I think that that is a uh, it's a it's not a completely positive season. It's a step in the right direction, but I expected them to get to the second round, and they wouldn't meet those expectations. And I think that's something I think Bulls fans uh, within the fan base there are there are two schools of thought: people who want to hold the team accountable, and then people who want to make excuses and suggest that just making the playoffs is good enough. Are you crazy? What city are you from? What team do you root for? This isn't Milwaukee. Oh, by the way, I say that, and they're a championship-caliber franchise. They're a team that has a very good chance to repeat as champions. We We should ask for more. And so losing 10 of 13... Uh, Sitting in a situation where tonight's a must-win with nine left against the Cavs, that to me is disappointing. They should be better. Zach Levine gave you 39 on Thursday night. The rest of the team didn't really help him. But then again, you could also have the same conversation that we've been having for, for, for years with Zach Levine and suggest that him as the best player on a team isn't necessarily a winning team. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. Have your expectations for this Bulls team changed? 
We go to Jeremy in Portage Park. Jeremy, what do you think about this Bulls team? Hey, uh, first I'd like to say, first time caller, long time, probably SPN 1000 uh, listener. Um, so I had the Bulls going to the to the playoffs and in the fifth, sixth spot, winning probably the first round against somebody like the Celtics and losing in the second round um, probably to somebody like the Bucks or something. Sure. But um, I think their problem isn't the fact that they suck on defense, which they kind of do. The problem is that they've never had size. And Patrick Williams, for as good as he can be, he's only 6'7", and we don't know what he can be is the problem. Uh, Vooch, for as good as he can be, he's not really a traditional, you know, uh, center. He likes to drift off to the to the perimeter, and sometimes he's just not so coordinated. Jeremy, but I want to push back on that. What center is a quote traditional center in today's NBA? Fair point, fair point. But um, I do think that there can be a, a, a blend of size and toughness, and I do think Vooch is tough. I just don't think he's got the uh, the appetite for being in the post as much as other people, and I think that that hurts us because he's the only seven footer, six ten, six eleven guy we got. So ultimately, I think that we're going to just not be able to rebound. I think other teams are going to get second chance points and just going to pound us in the paint, and that's why I think we'll lose. But love your show, and I love you as a commentator. So thank you, up. Jeremy. Call again, all right, man. Don't be, don't right, uh, don't be a stranger, okay? All right, sounds good. Jeremy in Porridge Park. His his point about Vooch I think is valid, though. He said he didn't want to call him soft. I'll call him soft. You know the differences between Vucevic and Valentunis? You saw Jonas Valentunis with the Pelicans on Thursday night? I thought uh, Valentunis had a really nice game. He had 16 points, 19 rebounds. He went 6 of 6 from the foul line. Vucevic in that game, he had 16 points, 9 rebounds. He didn't go to the foul line. Here's the difference. Vooch is the more talented player, but Valentunis is a tougher player. He sets harder screens for his guards. He gets rebounds in traffic. Uh, He can also back down a defender if he needs to to get a bucket, even though, like I was saying to Jeremy, not all uh, bigs play down on the block anymore. It's 2022. Guys are on the perimeter. Uh, they are skilled enough to do so and to shoot from out there. The difference is, though, Vooch makes 10 mil more a year than Valentunis. But Valentunis has a little edge to him. I think that's the thing that Vooch is missing. He needs a little edge out there. Jack and Hillside, you're on ESPN 1000. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this is the first time I've actually uh, listened to you, and I, I want to tell you that uh, the assessment uh, recap you gave of uh, how you were looking at the Bulls all year pretty much mirrors mine and and. So for one, I'm thrilled with the with the new AK management. I think the world of Billy Donovan. Now that I'm seeing more of him, a lot of positive things. So I think you also nailed it that at this point for this season, my expectation now is it will be a six. You need to finish uh, fifth and avoid that sixth slot where you're going to play one. You know somebody you likely can't beat so yeah about as far as this team could go i'd be satisfied if they could find a way to beat boston in the first round or you know pull up so that's one thing the other thing about losing you know with uh, the other night that, that was a huge that was like the second most must win game they had and they didn't show up against new orleans yeah. it's not an excuse it's not it's not the same team zach is at this point 
They won't need him next year going forward. He'll be a risk with his bad knee. They have four wonderful guards in Ayo, uh, Caruso Ball, and Kobe White has become a real player. So I wonder what you think about the Bulls next year, having a great core, but not needing that super max money to go to Levine. Okay, Jack, that's a good question. Call again, all right, Jack? Appreciate you. You got it. Thank you. You know, here's the thing with Zach. He's worthy of the max money. He's going to get it. I would guess that the Bulls are going to give it to him. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. My only problem with Zach is that I don't think he's a number one star. So if you're looking at max money going to Zach Levine, if you're not giving it to him, who are you giving it to? You're going to have all all this cap space to not spend it? At least you would sign him to the max, and then you'll have a trade chip um, available if a better superstar comes along. I, I think the Bulls have backed themselves into a situation where that's the only thing they can do. I don't think there's another solution at the moment. Unfortunately, like if you want to get out of the Zach Levine business, that was like two seasons ago when I had the same critiques about his game where he wasn't necessarily winning basketball games. In crunch moments, in crunch time, at the end of uh, games, the last five minutes, he he was someone that was turning the ball over a lot, taking poor shots, and he's a, a minus defensively. There, there's a lot of things there that have not changed. He's had a really good season. He's a really good basketball player. I don't know if you want him to be your number one. All right, Bulls fans, 312-332-3776. Have your expectations for this team changed in the playoffs? What do you think about this Bulls team? I'll take your calls next. Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Follow Jay Hood on Instagram at IGJHood or at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Have your expectations for this Bulls team changed? For the playoffs, you know, for a moment, it seemed like, hey, could this team get to the conference finals? I I think we should want more than just making the playoffs as Bulls fans. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 312-332-3776. But the team has shown us something different. So now we have to take the data that they've given us. Oh, for 16 games uh, against the top three seeds in the East and the West. And then also they've lost 10 of their last 13 games. The data would suggest that just making the playoffs is about all that this team can accomplish this season. So what do you think, Bulls fans? You can call us at 312-332-3776. We go to Dean downtown. Dean, you're on ESPN 1000. What up, Chris Black? Shout out to the steady, cool hand Jake, man. Dean, were you giving uh, Jake uh, crap behind the scenes? What, What was going on there during the commercial break? I have no idea what you're talking about. I would never do that on earth, but I did hear All right. you uh-huh. complaining in the. <laughs> hey, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but sure. goddamn, Chris Black, I must say, downtown Dean has been on a bit of a heater lately, man. Yeah? Yes, sir, but that's for another time. Okay. Before I get to my Bulls point, I wanted to tell you you know what I heard LeBron said to, uh, or he text messaged Chris Paul last night, Black? You up? No, he said, I told you long ago on the road, I got what they waited for. And I don't run from nothing, dog. Get your soul. Just tell them I ain't laying low. 
What do you think about that? How about that? That's something. That is certainly something there, Dean. Now, if I may get to my Bulls point. Oh, yeah, please do. Yeah. We're all waiting. As much as they have fallen off, I still think they will get to the second round. Really? By the way, I was going to say, you sounded a bit grumpy earlier. Before I get to my Bulls point, I wanted to make sure that everything was okay with you. You're okay, right? You're still okay with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know how frightened I know. The thing is, I know you might be a bit grumpy, Chris, because I know how Friday nights can be with a wife as beautiful as yours. I, okay. I, yeah, well, yeah. that's weird. All right. All right. That's all yep. I said. But anyways, all the right. Bulls, they'll get to the second round, right? But they're a regular season team, Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, this this uh, Billy Donovan team is kind of like reminding me of the Tibbs team. My, my expectations have not changed. I thought they'd finished uh, a little bit sooner. But as far as how, I, how far I think they'll go in the playoffs, I still think they'll get to the second round and then flame out then. And my last point, if you'll allow me to make, Chris, if it's all right with you, uh, is a college basketball point. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, go ahead. So these Miami kids, they're growing up in South Florida. You know, I love Edger and James. I love Trenton Portis, Willis mm-hmm. McGahee, my dudes, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor. Those were my guys. And I also loved, you know, I'm your age and Abdallah's age. I love George Mason, man. Growing up watching George, uh, Jim Laranaga coaching that George Mason team. That was like the very first of the of the first teams that, like, you know, were the Cinderellas. And so, shout out to all those, and shout out to chosen one Tyler Aki, who put me on the Miami train all year. And I cannot forget to give a take that. And there goes Dean. Oh. Well, sometimes uh, the Friday night calls spill into the Saturday. You know, I I can't really help. Them. Nick and Gurney, can you follow that up? Nick, go ahead. Uh, I I don't know if I want to. Um, uh, <laughs> You're telling I could, me. Um... <laughs> oh, what are, like, could I just end the show there? Is that the yeah. end of the show? White Sox baseball coming up in an hour and 33 minutes. (laughs) Um, So what I was calling about is like, you know, the Bulls and and we've had this conversation on Twitter is like the Bulls are lacking physicality. And and it's like you see Vooch. Vooch sometimes just looks lost. I've been to four Bulls games this year. I went to Bulls Jazz in like the first week of the year when Bulls Cavs win. And then I saw Bulls Nets and Bulls uh, Suns at the UC and like just walking out of the UC after the Nets game and um, after the Suns game, it's just sure. like embarrassing because because you expect more. It's like my expectations have changed because I, I I don't know I don't know what we are now. Like at the beginning of the year, we knew we kind of knew we were gonna we were gonna be better, but we didn't know how good. But now now I'm really not sure where we are because yes, injuries have played a part and COVID has played a part at some point. But at some point, you have to realize the Bulls aren't going to the line. They're not playing physical. Even like when you watch their screens on pick and rolls, they're not the hard and physical screens. They're just more of the soft get in the way. But when you watch your Brooklyn's, when you watch your Philadelphia, when you watch Milwaukee, they're setting good, hard screens, and they're making a physical impact on the game. And I'm just not seeing that out of the Bulls. Yeah, Nick, that's a great point. I think it's a measured approach to suggest that the expectations have changed. We've seen this team be really good this year. They just haven't done that in the last, what, month? Month and a half? And 
I know that you can point to injuries. Other teams are continuously playing better basketball while having injuries. Middleton's been out for the Bucks. Miami's dealt with injuries all over. Yeah, team teams do sustain while things happen. You know, I, I get it. If if you want to point to one team that has been hit by injuries this year, which clearly their standings have been affected by that, there's there's actually two of them. It's Brooklyn. Uh, much of that is Kyrie's own doing, but Brooklyn would be much better if they had all their players all year long. And then also Golden State. Golden State at one point in the season they were they were chasing the the Suns to be the best team in the West. They've really fallen off to, from from that, but a lot of that has to do with the injuries to Draymond finally getting Clay back, but then Steph gets hurt. Like there's a lot kind of working into that. They're still forty eight and twenty six. So I mean the this Bulls team is good. It's just like how good can this team be? And what are your expectations? We'll talk Bulls with you next. Welcome back to Jay Hood and Chris Black, the hosts of ESPN Chicago's Fast Break. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now, Fast Break flies on. On On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood is off today. I'm Chris Black talking Bulls and NBA with you on uh, ESPN 1000 until 3 o'clock. You can call the show at 312-332-3776. Taylor in Hyde Park, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Taylor? Hey, what's going on, man? Obviously, huge fan. Love this. Love this on a Saturday. Uh, Thanks, man. You know, uh, first I want to say, uh, I don't know what that last caller was talking about. I think the Bulls are kind of really are built for the playoffs, actually. You have strong guard play, guys who can finish. Um, I think you have, you know, guys that can actually defend the wing, which is very important in the playoffs. But one thing that I, I think I noticed, and to your point, is the Golden State reference. Um, this is kind of just like Golden State, where you're top of the league, you got some injuries, key injuries to defensive players, key injuries to your point guard, key injuries to one of the highest three point percentage shooters in the league, in Lonzo Ball. And so I think when you lose those pieces, you do kind of lose a little bit of element of being able to spread the floor but also too this can't be denied i mean zach levine is going through a serious knee issue where he's getting his knee drained um so in my mind this year was just kind of like a stepping stone i didn't see you know championship level aspirations you're not beating that top those top four teams in the east unless barring injury so in my mind what this really is is a second round exit potentially you get lucky maybe have an injury or two on the opposing side maybe an eastern conference finals that's the prize so in my mind, this is a stepping stone. All this is gravy. We didn't expect this level of success so early on with Levine and DeRozan. The question is, when you give you know Levine big money, can you get another free agent to come here? That's always been the case for the past 30 years. Right. If you can't get free agents to come to your city, which no GM has proven to be successful besides Jay Krause, um, I don't see this really happening um, as being taking the next step and being part of that top four consistently. So... I'm actually challenging the front office and saying, if you can bring free agents here, then we have a shot at being a real contender um, or drafting in those later first rounds, early second rounds, and getting like a you know a joker or like a Giannis or finding a diamond in the rough. So I see this as just kind of gravy. I'm riding the train. When everyone's healthy, hopefully they perform well. I'm going to go to a couple of playoff games and 
you know, cheer my, my tail off right, and right. be excited about it. Taylor, let me ask you this question. Though. I, I think the, the points you make about uh, the current stretch of them losing 10 of 13, heading towards the playoffs, if they're healthy, they, they can be successful. I, I understand those points. But then how do you explain the 0 for 16 against the top three seeds in both the East and the West? Because we, we could nitpick and, and find games where guys are missing. But some of those games, they had full raw. They had the full complement of, of players available, except for like Patrick Williams. So, like, how how do you, you know, justify that that stat that's staring at us that tells us that this group is just not good enough? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I think that's why I say like, if I, I thought they were going to be, you know, a top four seed, um, given kind of where they were a few months ago, even yeah. you know a month ago, you know, a top four seed maybe falling a little bit in, you know, maybe from first place to third place getting home court advantage, you know, in their first two rounds, losing to like a Brooklyn or to like a Philly or like a, you know, the, the Celtics or the Bucks that was kind of in that four or five, six slot. Right. Um, and then, you know, exiting. So I don't think they can beat the top level teams of the East. I mean, that's been proven in the regular season. Um, and I think this is that stepping stone year, right? We all have to go through our bumps and bruises. Exactly. Mean, I still get to be in the playoffs. Sure. So you don't go sure. from no playoff victories in your career to all of a sudden winning a championship. Doesn't happen like that. I mean, look at the second best, second best player of all time, and Michael. I mean, he took his bumps and bruises in the '80s, and then in the '90s, that's when he stepped up. So I do think it just takes a little bit of time. This is still something where the where the, the GMs and the front level office are still cooking the stew. So this is a, was a surprise. We were in first place for a long time. We were excited, maybe overly excited as fanatics and fans. But I think we're kind of right where we expected to be. If you ask us, you know, in game one of the regular season. Would you be disappointed if they lose in the first round? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, so I would think I. So. I mean, unless unless they're unless they finish like you know six and they got to play you know the Bucks, I'm, then I'm like, okay, you're probably going to lose that series. Yeah, if, if, they, they, finish, if they continue you know, to slide, yeah, I, I get you. But if they lose in a first round series against Boston, I, I think that'll be a disappointment. That that's a team uh, a month and a half ago we would have all assumed the Bulls could beat. I think they beat Boston, honestly. I think they beat Boston with home with home court advantage. Look, Tatum and Brown have been there for a while. They still are proven entities and commodities in the playoffs. So, you know, while Tatum is having an, a crazy, amazing streak, they're just peaking at the right time. right? All it takes is an ankle twist, uh, yeah. a technical foul. I mean, all it takes is one of those games to kind of turn the, the tide. I think they could really beat Boston in a seven-game series. I just don't think they can compete with the other players, or the other teams that have these massive bigs that are just dominating it. I think that's where the, the challenge really comes from. Good call, Taylor. Talk to you soon, Thank all right? Thank you. Always. Taylor in Hyde Park. He calls the station all the time. So does Matt in Streamwood. Matt, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Black, I wanted to talk to you. I know you talked before that you thought that uh, before that this team could get to the to the second round. Do you still believe that they can get to the second round? And, and two, I wanted to ask you, like, where realistically, with where they have 10 games left, Realistically, what seed do you think they're actually going to be? Do you think they're going to be the seventh, the sixth at best, or or what? I, I think to answer your first question, I, I think I I still think that they can win a first round series, and and I'm going to hold them to that. I'm not going to let them off the hook saying, ah, well, it was fun for a while this year. Hey, they made the playoffs. Gee, isn't this better than the boiling days? No, come on. What is that was terrible. That was trash. Of course it's better than that. Anything is better than when Jim Boylan was the coach. Anything is better than when Gar Foreman 
was making the decisions for the roster, right? Like, we shouldn't let them off the hook for that just because it's it's better now. I'd say this, though, in, in a seven-game series against Boston, the Boston Celtics have the best defensive team in the league. They're number one in defensive efficiency. They've been rocking and rolling uh, for the better half of the second half of this this season. Jason Tatum has really turned it on since the All-Star break. Like, there's a lot to look at with the Celtics team and to be uh, afraid of as a Bulls fan in a seven-game series because chances are, in the playoffs, Tatum may take it to a whole nother level. A lot of people think that, like, he's the next budding superstar. He's the, he's the guy that could crack into that top 10, top 12 conversation. And in the playoffs is when those, those players rise to the occasion. And to this point, this season, DeMar DeRozan has been in that conversation. I don't know if DeMar can take it to another level to what we saw DeMar bring to the table in February. What he averaged, 35 a night, hitting game winners, back-to-back games. Like, DeMar was incredible. And then it started to kind of slow down, wear down. And you could easily go back to the conversation of, well, you know, he's 30-plus, and this is what happens. And maybe the Bulls, early in the year, were pushing a little too much on the gas pedal when other teams are just kind of trying to find their footing, trying to figure out the COVID restrictions, trying to figure out a season where you're, like, fully back as an NBA season with, like, no major issues with scheduling. I don't know. It's just something I think about. Like, maybe this team gave a little too much early. You know, early in the year, they were going harder than anyone else, and that's why they were having uh, such success. And then you, we saw it all year. We, we knew that the schedule was going to get tougher. We knew that the second half of the schedule for the Bulls was going to be a beast, especially at the end. I remember having conversations in the summer looking at the schedule and be like, by the way, that like last week of the season, you have the Clippers, the Heat, the Bucks." And the Celtics. That's not easy, right? And uh, I know the, the Clippers lost last night. They were blown out by the 76ers. But Clippers have played good basketball without their two superstars. Ty Lue has that team coached really well. Like, that's not a gimme. And then Minnesota to finish the year. That's the surprise team in the league. Did anyone have the Minnesota Timberwolves as a team that's fighting for a playoff spot in the West? let alone not just playing, but like they're a half game back of the Nuggets for the sixth spot. They're only two and a half games back of the Jazz for the fourth spot. Like the Minnesota Timberwolves are a really good basketball team. And like Carl Anthony Towns, someone woke him up. Like at some point, something clicked in this season and he started to get a little mean streak in him on the court. And like he is unbelievable. Self-acclaimed the greatest big man shooter of all time. I'd still take Dirk Nowitzki, but that's me. But, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns and, uh, you know, having Pat Beverly there to kind of chirp in his ear and to go after people and the amount of trash talk that that, that team throws at other teams, I, they've been a lot of fun to watch. That's how you end the season. So, so for the Bulls, they're in a situation now. They have Cleveland tonight. I think it's a must win. Monday, they face off against the Knicks in New York. The Knicks won a tough game last night in Miami without their best player. You got Washington on the 29th, Clippers at home on the 31st, 
And then you get to April, and the Bulls have six games. Uh, they have five games left in April, and they're basically all tough. M- Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Minnesota. You got a Charlotte game in there. So, I mean, it's not an easy way to go. And, and the Bulls could slip here because they're fifth right now, a game up on Cleveland. Toronto is seventh. The Bulls are a game up on both teams. I don't think they could fall to eight. That would be worst-case scenario because they have four games up on the Nets right now. But anywhere between five, six, and seven, think about it, Bulls fans. <laughs> you land six and seven, you're staring straight in the face. Joel Embiid and James Harden in the first round or Giannis in the first round. And that ain't going to work. This is Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood and at Chris Black. The Fast Break continues right now on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Hood is off this week. Black here with you talking NBA basketball and the Bulls till 3 o'clock. Then we have White Sox baseball right here on ESPN 1000. The Bulls and the Cavs face off tonight at 7 o'clock in Cleveland. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is the game. The Bulls uh, to this point against the Cavs this season. Chicago Bulls have won two games to one. Uh, Their last win was March uh, 12th. March 12th in Chicago against the Cavs. The Bulls won that game by 10, 101 to 91. DeRozan led the way with 25. Vooch had 14 rebounds. And uh, Darius Garland had 25 points for the Cavs in that matchup. It will be a good game. I think it's a must win for the Bulls tonight. I need some help here, okay? So uh, I, need, I need your help. If you're a, a Gen Xer, a millennial, maybe a Gen Zer, uh, I need you to weigh in on something because this is like a half uh, formed opinion slash thought. And I feel like uh, you guys can help me out with trying to figure out whether or not I'm way off base here or if there is possibly a little something to this idea. Um, Kyrie Irving is going to play tonight, obviously, for the Nets on the road. It's a big game in the NBA. Nets Heat. Game's on NBA TV at 7 o'clock. Brooklyn then, I believe, is home tomorrow. So they have a back-to-back this weekend. And Brooklyn Brooklyn is hosting the Nets tomorrow night in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving is going to play. The mandates for the vaccine have been lifted for performers in New York City. So Kyrie will be available in home games for the first time this season for the Brooklyn Nets. All right. So Kyrie, the last couple of times we've seen him on the court, has been unbelievable. Now, I I think part of this is you could say, huh, if you load manage correctly and you only play in half the games, like, yeah, maybe dude could go out for 50 every night if he's only playing in half of the games, right? Like if DeMar DeRozan's only playing in half of the schedule, then maybe DeMar DeRozan's averaging 35 a night instead of the, you know, 26, 27 that he is. Just a thought, right? A load management thought. But the last time we saw Kyrie... Wednesday the 23rd, on the road against Memphis, the Nets lost that basketball game 
But Kyrie had 43 points. He had eight assists in 44 minutes. The, the game before that that we saw Kyrie was on the 15th. He had eight days in between his games. It's like he's an NFL player. He went off for 60 against the Magic. 150 to 108 win in Orlando. Kyrie had 60 points in 35 minutes. He went 20 of 31 from the field, 8 of 12 from three. He was incredible. Six rebounds, four assists. And I'm pretty sure because it was such a big blowout, I don't think Kyrie played much in the fourth quarter of that contest. All right, so after that game against the Magic, I started to think to myself, like, who is the comparable for Kyrie and his game. You know, basketball is a great uh, sport to have conversations about because we can take what we see and match it to stats. And sometimes the stats either back up our our thought or completely contradict what we think. And then you say, you know what? Yeah, maybe this player is not like that player because, well, he averaged nine more points per game or he did this in the amount of time he was on the court. There's, There's all kinds of different reasons to why you could get into a situation where you look at a player and you'd say, yeah, the stats match the, the eyeball test and the artistic uh, idea of basketball where not everything fits into a perfect box score. You know, kind of like where baseball, like you could tell the story of baseball by looking at a box score. In the NBA, you need to see it and you need the statistical side of it to put together. In the NFL, it's more leaning towards the see it Right, like advanced stats in football are there, but they're usually not as impactful as like seeing a play develop or knowing what the play calls are or knowing what the formations on defense are supposed to be, stuff like that. I think the NBA is a perfect blend between the two. Is Allen Iverson the comparable here for Kyrie Irving? And that's why I need the Gen Xer to join in and I need the Gen Zer to join in. And, and I'll, I'll kind of give the perspective of, of a millennial, but, but obviously you're welcome to join the conversation too. But like when we look at the two, Allen Iverson and Kyrie Irving, who's the better player? Now, Allen Iverson, pound for pound, many say he's the greatest player in, in league history, pound for pound. Small guy who could get it done. He was seven-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star MVP. He won the MVP in 2001. He obviously took that Sixers team to the finals. They lost to the Lakers in the finals. We got his team to the finals. 11-time All-Star for Allen Iverson, Hall of Famer, four-time scoring champ. He's on the All-75th 75, uh, anniversary team. He led the league in scoring four different times. So, like, in a season, he was averaging more then 30 points per game many times throughout his career. His career average is 26.7. And, and I know initially when you look at the stats, they're not going to compare, right? Kyrie, seven-time All-Star. He's an NBA champion. But then again, I, I think the critics of Kyrie would suggest that the 2016 championship is wiped away because it's LeBron, right? Although, who hit the biggest shot in that game seven of the finals? It was Kyrie. Kyrie hit the shot. LeBron got the block. Okay. So you got that down. Three-time All-NBA for Kyrie. He's been an MVP of the All-Star game. Iverson did it twice. Kyrie's done it once. He's never been a scoring champ. But I would also say the way Kyrie's 
career has broken out, he's bounced around. He had six seasons with the Cavs, three seasons LeBron was there, 2015, 16, 17. He then had two seasons with the Celtics, and then three seasons now with the Nets. Like, if Kyrie had the career where he stayed in one spot and he was the only star, like Iverson, is that the comparable? And, like, that's why I want to get people's opinion on it at 312-332-3776. Who's the comparable player for you for Kyrie Irving? And if you look at it, Kyrie or Allen Iverson, who's the better player? You know, Iverson obviously could score more, right? I feel as if Kyrie has the better handles. If you look at the, the shooting metrics, Kyrie is by far the better shooter. So, like, if we just go through the stats career for for Allen Iverson his stats based on points per game 26.7 he averaged 6.2 assists if you look at Kyrie Kyrie to this point points per game averaging 23 5.7 assists but the shooting numbers are way heavily favored in Kyrie's corner from the field 47 percent from three 39 percent in his career Allen Iverson from the field, 42%, but from three, 31%. He couldn't shoot from three the way Kyrie can. Both incredible scores. It was something I'm thinking about. So if you want to join the conversation, who's better, Allen Iverson or Kyrie Irving? Who would you take? 312-332-3776. Take your calls next. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.